Good morning. Good morning. We're glad that you're here today, and uh, welcome here to Lake Point. And uh, some of you may be here for the first time with us, and on this beautiful Sunday morning, of course, and uh, if this is your first time with us, I hope that you take a minute, let us know about your visit with us and your uh, program as you came in. There's a little card in there that says connection card. We'd just like to connect with you um, and uh, send you something in the, in the mail, and I'll let you know about our appreciation. Thank you for coming. Send you a gift for being here, uh, being here this morning. And uh, some of you, this is, uh, you, you come here every week, so, so glad you're here again today and to be back with us. Last Sunday was an incredible Sunday, and uh, if you missed last Sunday, uh, you missed a great, great day. We had 13 people that took the next step in believer's baptism last Sunday. That was awesome. And so, yeah, let's give it up for those 13 and what's crazy is we've got another 10 dozen people that have already talked to me and, and expressed interest to get baptized. So we're going to do another baptism here in a couple months and, and get ready for that. And, man, what a great start to um, 2019 in the Fresh Start series last week as we wrapped that up, Fresh Start. And, um, and so today we're starting a brand new series called Like Me. We're going to dive into that in just a minute. Also, just real quick, tonight is that. Uh, it's a, a big game, right? Super Bowl. And I don't know that a lot of us really care about the game. Uh, I think we're more interested in the food and commercials and, and just the hangout and all that kind of stuff. Uh, some of you probably don't even care about that much. It's like, you know what? It, it's like, I'm just going to sleep tonight. And how many of you are like that? That's you. You really don't care. Okay, I, I get a crowd of you here. You just really don't care. Um, and so that's fine. And, uh, but tonight, um, for you, uh, Jonah is going to have youth uh, before the Super Bowl. So instead of the normal 5.30 to 7 o'clock, they're going to have youth at 4.30. It'll be done about 6 o'clock, uh, just in time for kickoff. So bring your teenagers out at 4.30 at the pregame LP student night. It's going to be a fun, fun afternoon. And, um, and I appreciate Jonah thinking outside the box a little bit to try to make that work and and, um, and do something different on a Super Bowl night. And so, well, hey, um, like I said, we're going to jump in a series called Like Me and uh, Following Jesus, How to Follow Jesus in a Selfie-Centered World. And let me just kind of give you a quick overview of what we're going to talk about the next few weeks. Uh, today, we're going to talk about contentment. Contentment. Next week, we're going to talk about compassion. Because we just see a lot of compassion, a lot of um, GoFundMe and that kind of stuff that really comes out through social media and, and, and stuff like that. So I want to talk about that next Sunday. But in fact, next Sunday, we're going to highlight uh, human trafficking. Um, in fact, this week, it's human trafficking um, emphasis this next week and, um, and sex trafficking. And so next Sunday, uh, we're going to have 30 uh, 30, over 30 people that will be in this service from Florida, and um, they're, they're coming up here to do a presentation on that Sunday night, next Sunday night at the Emerald Theater, and uh, we're putting that on. And uh, at the Emerald Theater, it's a free event, and uh, they're going to do a human trafficking dance performance, and it's going to be incredible. It's going to be it's gonna bring awareness. We've got organizations from different parts of our communities that can be present, and uh, we want to... Uh, show you different ways that you can um, get involved in, in, in that area 
And so we're going to talk about compassion next week. And, uh, and then the week after next is relationship. We're going to talk about what that looks like because Facebook has defined what a friend is. All right, we're going to talk about what a real friend is in, uh, in that week. And then um, authenticity, we're going to talk about being real, being transparent, because we're good at putting our best stuff forward on Facebook and not our true, real self. And uh, we, we don't sometimes show off transparency and realness. And then the last week, we're going to talk about boundaries, boundaries in your, uh, in, in, in your life and specific, specifically in your social media. But you might be here today and say, you know what, Scott, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not on social media, so I just take the next five weeks off, and I'm good. Well, I, I want you to just hold your hat for just a minute, okay, because we're going to talk about stuff outside of social media. Principles that we're talking about permeate, you know, it translates in all areas of our life. And uh, so, so I want to dive in today. We're going to talk about discontentment. I talk about envy. And how to become content in Christ. Some people believe that discontentment has never been a bigger problem in the history of the world than it is today. Some people believe that. Think about this. Never before have, had, have we had so many people have had so much. And at the same time, we still want so much more. We live in that period. We live in that time in that age. And some sociologists are actually saying that social media is one of the biggest driving causes of discontentment. Because what happens is when we look at other people's lives on social media, we look at their perfect, their best foot forward, their best image forward, their filtered image and we look at them, we start comparing our life to their perfect life. I love what uh, Stephen Furtick, he said this. I saw this uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, someone had posted this on their wall, and I thought this was just perfect. It's just we're comparing our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels. We feel like losers because we see the best of the best and we know the worst of our worst. For example, two moms, they were talking about how they hated each other. They hated each other on social media. And so one was a working mom, and she was telling this mom, this other mom, she said, you know, I just hated you because you're the perfect Pinterest stay-at-home mom who does craft, stretch your time with your kids, and you make me feel so guilty because I'm always working, working, working. And the stay-at-home mom, she says, well, listen, I hated you. I hated you because you have a life. You know, you're out in public. You're out with people. And I haven't had my hair up in anything but a ponytail since 2012. I haven't seen an adult person, an adult human being since 2012. And, and I, I hated your life. You're out there, and I'm stuck at home, and, and there's, just, there's just discontentment. We have two people, two people comparing and longing for what other people have. And maybe you've been like this. You know, you're at home all by yourself, and you see your friends, you know, they're out on a, at, a, at a 
They're out on town eating a fancy meal, maybe eating lobster, and you're eating a lean cuisine meal. And you only like lean cuisine meal. I mean, you're just eating it. Or you see your friend, they're at the gym. You know, he's doing selfie muscle pictures. And, 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 and you're slamming down, get ready for this, you're slamming down a dozen hot donuts from Krispy Kreme. All right? You know I had to clip that in there, right? And, and, and you're like, man, I feel so bad about myself. You know, you see that person down there, I mean, they're just busting at the seams, and you're just you're busting at the seams in different ways. <laughs> never before in the history of the world, get this, never before in the history of the world could, you, could we accurate, could, we could be accurate in measuring our popularity. When I was a kid, when you were younger, uh, we just had to kind of randomly guess if we were popular or not. You know, but now you can measure it. You know, you can measure it. I've only got 287 followers, but he's got 497 followers. I'm half as popular as he is. Or, or man, my picture only got 19 likes. Or, and the one before that, I only had 12 likes. Only 12 people like my post. And my record is 33 likes. But every time she posts, she gets triple digit in the first five minutes. Every time. It doesn't matter what she posts. She gets more likes than I ever get. And so we compare and compare and compare. And everybody else's life is so much better and I'm a loser, and the more we compare with others, the less satisfied we become of ourselves. In fact, researchers, research, researchers did a study at two college universities. And that student spent half an hour, that student spent a half an hour on Facebook, and let them scroll and look at everybody's Facebook feed, and then they surveyed their feelings after half an hour of just looking, scrolling down on Facebook. And what they found out is this, that one-third of the students felt significantly depressed, citing envy as the number one emotion of what they felt after 30 minutes of just being on Facebook. And so this, my friend, it's a real issue. And what I want to do today is for us to be very, very honest with ourselves. We need to be honest. We need to expose discontentment in our lives. Discontentment that we have in our hearts. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give us a couple categories here, three categories. And then I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to, I want you to be gut level honest with me. All right? I just want you to call it out. I want you to call it out personally. And I think you're going to find that you're not alone. That a lot of us here, we have struggles, including myself. And so I want to look at these three, and perhaps you might see yourself in more than just one. And uh, so here's the first one if you're taking notes. Three different categories of discontentment. Number one, material and financial discontentment. Material and financial 
discontentment. Maybe you see him post a picture of his car, and you hate your car. <laughs> and you just want to be happy for him, but at the same time, you're jealous because you want that car, or you want a car that actually runs. <laughs> or, or perhaps she posts a picture of a beautiful plate of brownies. But you're not looking at her brownies. You're looking past the edge of her plate, and you notice that the plate on the beautiful granite countertop. You start looking at the perfect kitchen and that little cabinet pull knobs, you know. You start looking at the backsplash, and, and now you start comparing your junky kitchen to her perfect kitchen, and, and you're, you're saying, man, I wish I had that. It could be your friend. They're at the beach again for the second time this year. You know, and you can't even get out of the house. You know? It makes you materially or financially at some level discontent. Now, let's just be honest. Will you be honest and say, man, this has been an issue for me? You know, just be honest. Just raise your hand and say, this has been an issue for me. Yeah, I see your hands. All right, be honest. No lying in church. Now, come on, get your hands up. There you go. All right, we'll see you there. We'll see you there. Well, we've been there. We've been there. Here's the second type of discontentment. Relational discontentment. Relational. You see all your friends. They got together. Guess you're not invited. You're like, how come I wasn't invited to the party? How come I wasn't invited to the Super Bowl party? You know, how come I didn't get a phone call? How come I'm left out? Why am I never invited to these events? You know, perhaps you're not married. And every person you know is married and they're happy and you're not. And you're thinking, man, I wish, I wish I had that someone special in my life. You see someone post a picture of them spending time with their kids. And you're working your tail off just trying to make ends meet for your kids and feel guilty. Man, I wish I could have time with my kids. You see relational intimacy that other people have, and you notice that your marriage is not so great. It's lacking. And you, you notice, and all of a sudden you feel like, man, I'm a little envious. You know, and I would, maybe I should have a trade-up. Maybe I should get, find something different. We have relational discontentment. In fact, some of you might have as a status that your relationship is complicated. You know, and you're trying to figure it out. Well, if you're here and you say, man, yeah, relational discontentment, that's me. If, that, uh, if that's you, let's be honest today. If you've ever felt that, relational discontentment at one point in your life, will you raise your hand? Yeah, go ahead. That's right. Now, here's the third one, and this is the one that tripped me up the most. It's circumstantial. Circumstantial discontentment. You're looking at your life, you're comparing it to someone else, and you're thinking, man, I wish I was where they were. I had hoped by, that, by this point in my life, I'd be doing something more significant like them. Or you might say, man, I wish I could have a baby, and here's the 14th gender reveal party of the month, and I can't have a baby. And I wish I had a more significant 
person in my life, or, or whatever it is, circumstances. For me, easy for me to do that. I, I, I start as a pastor, the godly pastor. You'd be surprised, so I am not perfect. But I can get discontent. I could start looking at the other churches, man, they're not portable no more. They're moving into their new building. You know, and I could start, oh, man, hey, I could, you know, yeah, I'm happy for them, but at the same time, so, oh, man, no, that's not fair. You know, and I could get discontent. I said, man, I start looking at numbers. Man, how come they had a better day than I had a better day? Now, thank God that God really has helped me in this area. And I'm going to tell you how, I, how this has helped me in a few minutes. But there was a point in my life where, man, I started comparing. And I started playing that game. And my friend, it's a dangerous, dangerous game to play. Dangerous. Circumstances. How many of you can say, man, I've been discontent with other people's circumstances? You're with me. That's right. I've heard a quote. It went, went, it went like this. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% on how you respond. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. But the reality is this. It's the flip side of it. Most of us live as if life is 90% of what happens to us and we really don't have much power in the way that we respond. The Apostle Paul was the master of responding with a Christ-like perspective. He knew how to respond. We're going to look at, you know, for me, this is one of the best verses in all of Scripture on contentment. And when he's writing this, you've got to understand that Paul when he's writing these verses, Paul is not on a beach somewhere. He's not drinking a little fancy drink with a little umbrella sticking out, all right? This is not where he's at. In fact, life is not so glamorous for Paul. He's writing this while he is in prison under house arrest. Chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. And so life is not going well. In fact, life hadn't been going very well when you start looking from the outside in. I mean, the guy had been stoned to death almost several times. I'm not going to do that joke again, okay? Some of you remember the joke. Uh, but you, uh, not recreationally speaking, but, you know, physically he's been... You know, uh, for some of you, that's like, all right, all right, that was terrible. Um, but the guy, the guy had been shipwrecked. He'd been bitten by a poisonous snake. I mean, this guy's life, it's not a wonderful life from the outside looking in. But Paul had a positive, incredible perspective, and this is what he wrote, right? He's been in prison. In Philippians chapter 4, verse number 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is 
to have plenty. Paul, Paul, but, but Paul is establishing himself that he's been in a position of life of prosperity and bankruptcy. He's been in both situations. And so he said, I have learned. He said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. All right, Paul, now Paul's making a big statement right here. He said, I've got the secret to contentment right here. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what you have, what you don't have, I've got the secret. And he said, whether you're well-fed or hungry, whether you're living in plenty or in want, and here's the secret. He said, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The secret of contentment is not found in what I have or do not have, but the secret of contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. Listen to me here if you're taking notes. Until Christ is all you have, you'll never recognize that Christ is all you need. Until you recognize that Christ is all you have, you'll never realize that Christ is all you need. You want to find power? You want to find the power of contentment? You let everything else be stripped away, and then you cling to the Savior. You cling to the Son of God, and you recognize that His presence is real, that He offers a peace that goes beyond our human ability to comprehend, that He is our rock, He is our sustainer, He is our redeemer, He is the peace that covers our minds, He is our assurance, He is everything, everything that you and I need. You can search, you can search and search, get all the lights you want. You can get all the approval from people that you want. You can get all the material things that you want. You can know and love as many people as you want and as you can find. But until you experience the goodness of Christ, you'll always be dissatisfied. There's not enough life in this world that will ever give you the satisfaction that you're looking for. There's not enough approval in this world that will never give you the satisfaction that you're looking for. You'll never have enough. And until you realize and experience the goodness of Christ, you're going to be stuck in dissatisfaction, discontentment mode. You will always be longing for something more because within you is a Christ-shaped void. You were born, you and I were born for eternity, and there's a longing for something more than this world has to offer. And until you let Christ be all that you need, you always battle with the enemy of discontentment. Envy will rule in your heart. So what I want to do is today, I want to talk about two things that we absolutely and completely need Christ 
strength to do in our lives. Two things that will help us to overcome the sin of envy. These are two things that help me. These are two things that have helped me grow in this area. Number one, if you take a note, through Christ's strength, we will kill comparison and celebrate God's blessings in other people's lives. Through Christ's strength, not your strength, but Christ's strength, because we can't do this on our own. We will kill comparison. We'll celebrate God's blessing in other people's lives. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with, them, with themselves, they are not wise. I want you to look at the person next to you. Y'all work with me here. Say to the person next to you and say, it's unfair to compare. All right, look at somebody else. Now you tell that person, now look at somebody else. It's unfair to compare. Unfair. It is so unfair to compare. There you go. Y'all with me. We woke up. We're going to kill comparison. And we've got to realize that it's unfair to compare. It's not why. We're not going to do it. We're going, in fact, we're going to be tempted to compare ourselves with others, but we're just not going to go there. <coughs> when I was growing up, when I was growing up, many of you done that. You played a one-up game. You know, yeah, my dad, you know, my dad met the mayor, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, oh, yeah, your dad met the mayor, my dad met the governor. I said, oh, yeah, and the other kid said, oh, that's nothing. You know, my dad, you know, my dad met the president, you know, and, and another kid said, oh, yeah, well, that's nothing. My dad met the pope, all right, and it goes on and on. We played a one-up game, okay? You've done that because we're always trying to outdo each other. We're always trying to one-up each other. We're going to kill comparison. Why? Because James chapter 3, verse 14 and 16 says this. I want you to see how dangerous comparison is. James chapter 3, verse 14. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Now, James here in verse 15 is being a, a little sarcastic. Okay, he gets a little sarcastic. He said, trust wisdom in quotes, okay, in air quotes. He said, trust wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. Now, you know, sometimes we read verses like this, and we just don't think about what we're reading. I want you to, I want you to hear the weight, feel the weight of these words. When you have bitter envy in your heart, when you start playing the comparison game, Envy is demonic, unspiritual, not from heaven, earthly. For where you have, verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder 
and every evil practice. You're going to start living a life of bad mistakes, bad decisions. You start allowing that envy. I mean, you start letting the envy engines, what I call it, the envy engine rev up inside your soul. You start, you start doing things that you would have never done. You've got your eyes off Christ. You've got your eyes off the satisfaction of our Lord and the goodness of our, Christ, of our Savior, and you start looking for the things that this world is trying to offer and to give you satisfaction, and you'll never find it. But before you know it, you're trying to one-up. So-and-so got a nicer house. We've got to get a better house. He's got a nice car. I've got to get a better car. And we start to one-up. And when we start one up, we start making bad financial decisions. We start putting ourselves into debt. We start making bad choices. And we start living not a spiritual life. And I don't know how this, would, how this would practically play out for you in your life. Some of you, let's just be honest, you might just need to take a social media break. Because every time you're on social media, then those envy engines just revs up. And there might be a, you might just think, you know what, I need a, a break. I, I know some people, hey, I know some people, they say, you know what, I just had to cut it out completely. It was putting me in a dark place. In a dark place. I started hating everyone else's life. But for you, you might need to hide someone's feet. Maybe there's someone, you say, you know what, I'm happy for them, but it's causing me to sin. I just need to block them out. Not that they're doing anything wrong. But for me, I just need to do that. Maybe that's what you need to do. You need to hide. Let's take it beyond social media, though. You may need to delete that shopping app that's on your phone. Or you might need to stop watching the, the, the home and garden television show. Because all you can do is sin when you're watching someone else's nice house while you're living in your little tiny shack. Or, or maybe you shouldn't go to the boat show <laughs> or to the gun show or to the car show, the hunting show, whatever, you know, because every time you go to that show, you, you, you just that envy engine, oh, man, it just revs up. I don't know what that means for you, but here's what I'm saying. You need to kill comparison. You need to kill comparison. Why? Because, it, it, because this envy, it's demonic, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and every evil practice comes from within a lust and a longing for something more. And not only are we going to kill comparison, but also find this, that celebrating the successes of others really purifies my heart. That when someone else is blessed in a way that I want to be blessed, whenever I learn to celebrate with them, it purifies my motives. It purifies the intentions of my heart. Now, someone else got the job that you were hoping to get. And you're like, you know what? God wanted them to have that job. I wanted it, but man, I'm so glad they got it. You know, God had something else for me. I'll, I'll be patient for it. And I'm going to celebrate what God is doing in someone else's life. Or someone else got the thing that you've always wanted. And you say, you know what, God? I thank you so much that your hand of blessing is on their life. God, continue to bless them. So excited for him or her. 
I'm so excited for their family. They deserved it. And you know what, God? My, my trust, my, my satisfaction is still in you, and I'm going to trust you. I see a church move from a portable setup to the grand opening of your new building. And I'm going to be like, you know what? That is awesome. I'm so excited for that church. You know what? It's not meant for us yet, but I'm so happy for them that God is using them in a powerful, powerful way to make that move. And I'm going to celebrate their success. I'm going to celebrate what God is doing. And when you do that, you begin to purify your motives, your, the intention of your heart. We're going to kill comparison, and we're going to celebrate God's blessing in other people's lives. Number two, through Christ's strength, we will cultivate gratitude in our own lives. We're going to cultivate gratitude. Someone defined envy this way. Now, I think this is interesting, so if you want to take notes. Envy is to resent God's goodness in other people's lives and to ignore God's goodness in your own life. It's to resent God's goodness in other people's lives and to ignore God's goodness in your own life. So we're going to cultivate gratitude. We're going to stop ignoring the blessing of God in our own life. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 15, it's such a powerful verse to me. It's like this. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. I'm going to just hold it for just a minute. Keep that verse up for just a minute. Don't, don't take it off. Some of you, are, you know people like this. Some of you, some of you, you are people like this. Oh, man, it's a bad day. Oh, it's going to rain today. Oh, it's going to snow today. Oh, man, the economy's not doing good today. Oh, man, I'm so upset. Oh, man, my kids are always brats. Man, my car never really starts. Oh, I've got a terrible car. Every day brings trouble. For the despondent, every single day brings trouble. But for the happy heart, here's the rest of the verse, but for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. For the happy heart, we might have had the same day. You wake up to the same type of day as the despondent person. But the happy heart, he sees the blessing out of it. The happy heart is always ready to see God's goodness. You see, if you want to look for bad in the world, you don't have to go far to find it. All you have to do is turn on TV, and you can turn on any, you know, news channel you want, and you can find the bad in this world really fast. You can turn on your news app. You can see the bad in this world really fast. You can wake up, walk outside, and you can determine how bad the day is going to be right away by just looking at the weather. It doesn't take much to look for the bad in the day. 
But if you want to see God's working, let me tell you, you can find it too. You can find it. If you're looking for the blessing of God, you can see it. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. I like, I like to, if I could translate it, life for the happy heart is a constant party. Woo! Some of you are like, yeah, I'm all about party. But a happy heart, it's a constant, ongoing party. Solomon, who was the richest man of his time, some people will believe dollar for dollar, the richest man of all time, he said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9. He said, enjoy what you have rather than desire what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing after the wind. You want to have a continual party? You want to have a constant party? Enjoy what God has given you instead of longing for what you don't have. Be, be thankful for what God has given you instead of looking at someone's post on Instagram and say, oh, man, I wish I had their perfect filter to life. Enjoy what you do have rather than longing for what you don't have. So the next time you're tempted to say, man, I, I hate my stupid car, instead say, instead say, you know, I thank God. I thank God that I have a car that runs, that puts me in the top 5% of the wealthiest people on the planet. And I thank God for that. Next time you're tempted to say, man, I wish I had a better house. Instead, say, you know, I thank God that I've got a roof over my head and indoor plumbing. And some of you will laugh and think that's kind of funny, indoor plumbing. But all you have to do is travel outside of our country, and you'd be shocked how many people don't have indoor plumbing. Indoor plumbing? Wow, that's cool. We're blessed. We really are. We have significant blessing from God. We should be thankful that we have a house, the roof over our head, and indoor plumbing. That time you're tempted to say, man, my, my life is so crazy. My kids are driving me crazy. I'm trying to go from all over the place. Instead, say, you know what? I'm, I'm thankful that I've got a family. I'm thankful that I have kids that are involved in activities. And they're healthy. We have friends. We have a community that we can contribute to. I'm thank God that I've got things to do and places to be, people to bless. I thank God that I've got a significant life that keeps me busy doing significant things to be a blessing to other people. When my life is good, I thank God for his blessings. I thank God for what he's doing. When my life is not what I want it to be, I thank God for his goodness. That he's working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. So we will kill comparison because it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. We will celebrate the blessings of others and rejoice with those who rejoice. We will cultivate gratitude, worshiping our God because he's worthy of our praise. Because we have learned the secret of being content, whether living in plenty or in need, or in want. The secret is that I can do all things 
through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who gives me the strength. And because he's all I need, I will pursue him with all my heart. And in him, I will find true joy and true contentment because he is life and he truly satisfies. And perhaps you're here this morning. You don't know Christ. You've been searching for, for contentment. You've been searching for something your entire life. I'm telling you, nothing was satisfied like Jesus. Only Jesus can fill that Christ-shaped void in your heart. Only Jesus will completely satisfied. I pray that today, if you're here, you don't have a relationship with Christ at the end of our service. We have people that would talk to you. They want to talk to you about what it means to know who Jesus is. Not just know about him, because you know about him. I'm talking about knowing who he is and having a real personal relationship with him that can come into your life and be all that you need. When you realize that he's all you need, then you have what you've been looking for. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can have the power, not on our own, but we can have the power through your son Jesus to kill envy, to kill comparison, that we can celebrate the blessings in other people's lives. And God, that we can, that we can cultivate gratitude. But we need your help. We need your strength. God, I pray that we will help us to stop playing games with our lives. Help us stop playing games on social media. God, help us to use social media to redeem it for good, to be a blessing to others, to be an encouragement to others. Find it, use it as a, as a power, as a tool for righteousness and not for our own selfish ambition. So God, I pray that we will not look for the approval of others in our lives, but that we will seek your approval in all areas of our lives. God, perhaps there's someone here that don't have a relationship with you. I pray that today, I pray that today they will take a next step and to seek you out and to have a, and, and invite you into their life. Realize that you are the only one that truly satisfies. And you'll never pray.